Hi everyone, my name is Ivy Stang. I'm a student at Reinhardt University in the Masters of Sports Administration Leadership Program. Today I'm going to be talking about building and developing workplace cultures. The first step to building a successful workplace culture is servant leadership. In the Journal of Sports Management, Laura Burton, John Peachy, and Janelle Wells write about the role of servant leadership in developing an ethical climate within sport organizations. Servant leadership is different than other types of leadership. It emphasizes on the relationship between the leader and the follower. Servant leaders are more concerned with how to best support their employees and in turn the organization find success, rather than other leadership approaches that put the success of the organization above the well-being of its employees. Another thing about servant leadership is that it emphasizes empowerment and is more sharing of information to its employees rather than hiding it. It also promotes stewardship because the leaders take responsibility of the entire organization, good and bad, forcing them to do the same tasks that they would have of their employees. This, in turn, makes the leader more knowledgeable. Servant leaders also practice humility and recognize others' accomplishments. In turn, these attributes promote an environment of trust in the leader and positivity, also ethics and empowerment. The next key to building and developing a successful workplace culture is a work-life balance. A study conducted by the Indian Journal of Industrial Relations found that work-life balance is the key to a positive workplace attitude. In that study, they found that Work-life balance increases positive relationships between management and employees. It supports retention of talented employees and reduces burnout and increases consistent productivity in its employees. Work-life balance can be implemented by giving comp or flex time, which uh, basically means that if a full-time employee works over the amount of the 40-hour Uh, The typical 40-hour work week, uh, considering that they might work on a Saturday or work some overtime that evening, that typical salary employee is not going to get paid anything extra for that um, because their salary. So if you give them comp days and flex time, that way they can promote their work-life balance and have some time given back to themselves for the hard work that they put in extra or over. Work from home rotations is another great way to promote work-life balance. It's always nice to get a load of laundry in while you're working on uh, something or start preparing dinner for your family while you're in a meeting. That way it can be cooking while you're in a meeting and you're already home rather than having to get in traffic or commute back. Four-day work weeks are implemented in some workplaces, and this has been really successful in some workplaces and encouraged by a lot of managers. Flexible hours rather than a basic 8-to-5 workday would allow working parents to have better access to childcare. It promotes a healthier lifestyle with uh, better mental health, better uh, physical health, and emotional well-being. And it gives individuals the opportunity to contribute to their community by participating in volunteer roles. The next key is recognize and reward. 
Creating a culture of appreciation makes employees feel noticed and empowered. In an article by A.J. Coomer and Shariti Chadaha called Workplace Happy, they encourage managers to think outside of the box when it comes to recognizing and appreciating their employees. Nearly every workplace has its employee appreciation events on a typical annual basis, but there are no but there are so many issues with that. The writers claim that if we only recognize employees for their hard work on that day, think about what that says to the team. Their suggestion is to surprise employees with their appreciation. Recognize when employees are doing good and recognize them when they're not expecting to receive it. Recognize employees in front of others and be creative on how you choose to recognize employees and change things up from time to time. The next key is development opportunities. Elaine Maslish says, Acknowledgement of growth needs is the first step towards flawless commitment from our employees. This is really big. Development opportunities are, are huge for millennials because they want to grow and find a place within their, uh, their organization. Gen Z is also showing that they are more likely to want to develop faster and move into more leadership roles quicker than any generations before them rather than receive financial stability early on. A Gallup poll suggests that 67% of Gen Zers would rather move up in their organization than receive financial stability by the age of 25. Development opportunities allow other employees to lead training meetings that can also be an empowering development method. Stephen Covey claims that giving employees a platform to teach and train others helps them become even better at what they know. Development opportunities can look like paying for a master class, paying for one's education, or giving them the time to be flexible and have an education. General workplace training, or sending employees to an educational conference. Then, allowing the employees to have the platform to teach others what they have learned. The next key is creating leaders. An article by Anthony Grant and Marjorie Hartley called Developing Leaders as Coach suggests that organizations should be respected figures internal to the organization as champions. This means that you're going to promote from within rather than just hiring someone to do the job of leadership from the outside. The ability to promote and create positive leaders from within inspires other employees, it fosters growth, and gives the team a leader from their role model. In a study by Jung Chow on senior leadership roles, it was found that senior leaders in an organization are some of the most influential people on the team. Senior leaders are important because they're the ones that see both sides. They're privy to information from upper management and they see how they operate as well as the entry-level employee because it was something that they were once at. It's important to select someone who won't abuse that power or become lazy in their new role, rather to promote someone who will encourage, understand, and uplift the employees that they're over. 
Next is performance reviews and one-on-ones. Employees thrive by knowing how they are doing and letting their manager know what they are doing. Again, Anthony Grant and Marjorie Hartley also suggest what they call coach the coach sessions. This is similar to a traditional one-on-one session. This will give the manager the opportunity to build feedback, encourage, redirect, and define clear expectations. Additionally, this will give the employee the platform to express what roadblocks they are experiencing, share their successes, and get feedback on how their manager feels about their progress. Last but not least, the final key is to build teamwork. Employees must be able to trust each other and support each other. This is difficult to do when you don't know who the person is that you're working with. Maggie Grazino has a solution for this issue in an article called Building Workplace Wins. She suggests that the, this process needs to start on a clear onboarding phase. So many companies view the onboarding phase as just a checklist to check off rather than a culture building opportunity. This is the time when a new hire should feel connected with the team and see the purpose of the organization and where they fall in it. This is going to project the future and how they have a role in that future with the organization. Building teamwork shouldn't stop at the onboarding phase. It's also important to take time away from work to bond as a team and get to know each other because people are proven more likely to stay at an organization if they feel connected to the team that they're working with at that organization. So to recap, my keys are servant leadership, work-life balance, recognize and reward, development opportunities, creating leaders, performance reviews and one-on-ones, and building teamwork. Thank you again for listening to this podcast.